right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to be joined by Brock McGinnis at 345 here, new KU women's basketball assistant coach. At 530, Jonathan Davis is going to help us preview the Texas game. That's next up on our KU early season previews for football. We also have Florida Man Mad Libs. Um, We have KU Mailbag coming up later in the show. And uh, right off the top here, we're going to get to our tight end position preview for KU football. Uh, Real quick, wanted to make one more mention. We opened up registration yesterday for RCST football trivia. If you're interested in joining, it's free to join you in all sorts of great free prizes. All you got to do is hit us up on Twitter at RCST1320 or hit us up on our email, RCST1320AM at gmail.com with just your favorite KU football player, and then we'll get you registered. Yeah, and emphasis on the free and emphasis on the also you win free stuff. So it's free and you win free stuff. <laughs> I mean, what's the way, way? How do you not love that? Doesn't get much you, better than you, that. You don't have to do anything to enter except, you know, go to our, go to our Twitter or email us, whatever. And then if you do well, you win free more free stuff. Yes. So you should absolutely join. Um, okay, so starting off with our uh, tight end preview, uh, the starters, I, I technically you're only starting one tight end, which would be Mason Fairchild, your sixth-year senior, who tied for the team lead in receiving touchdowns. Awesome season all around. He improved a ton as a blocker last year from yeah. the year before. Great receiving season, too. I would almost count Jared Casey as a starter. He plays enough snaps. He he kind of comes in as a second tight end and kind of an H-back type as well. Uh, he's a junior, so he can have a couple years left with Jared Casey. Obviously very productive there. Jared Casey, probably your best blocking tight end. I, I mean, he made a ton of big blocks for you last year. Yes. Yeah, he was excellent. And, uh, and yeah, I think it's fair to list him as sort of a pseudo starter. I mean, he as you said, he plays enough snaps really to be considered that, and he's probably the most versatile blocking type player you have in terms of what you can ask him to do and what he's can execute in. And obviously he's the type of player that is great for running a lot of trick plays because he's the guy that you get blocked by him 10 plays in a row. And then you're just like, okay, well this guy's just going to block me. And I'm, you know, and then next thing you know, he's right behind you and he's hustling on the sideline and he outran the Texas tech defense for a touchdown last year. Guy can do it all. He can do it all. So he's a really fun player. Then also uh, a player that would be kind of in the two deep then, Trevor Cardell. He's a fourth-year junior. He's someone who we expect to uh, be given, I don't know, anywhere between 5 to 15, maybe even on the on the brighter side, 20, depending on, on the personnel and stuff. Snaps per game, somebody who is kind of a versatile tight end can do a little bit of everything. We've kind of been waiting for him to break out for a few years now. Maybe this will be the year. Could be tough with the guys in front of you, but you feel good about him being a guy getting snaps. Um, then there's the next up, which is Tavita Noah, who's a redshirt senior, more of a blocking tight end, 
Uh, Will Huggins is a redshirt sophomore, kind of the same ilk of Trevor Cardell is a guy who we've kind of been waiting to break out at some point in time, like six foot seven tight end was a really good high school prospect in the Kansas City area. And, uh, you know, he's had to deal with some injuries throughout his career so far. Maybe this year he can start to put it together. Also, Jaden Ham, who was your uh, top 10 in-state recruit in the state of Kansas, uh, comes in from Eudora High School as a tight end. He's a true freshman. Going to be tough to crack the field with all those other tight ends on the roster. Yeah. But somebody who we're looking forward to in the future as being like a big-time player at the position. Yeah, and because of that, I to me, I think Jaden Ham is a good candidate to maybe be like a redshirt-type player this year. Uh, where you get a whole year really to work underneath those other tight ends that are all really, really solid at different things and learn a lot. And then going into ne next season or the season after, you know, is when you might have a chance to really, really become one of the guys, right? Because we mentioned Jared Casey, uh, you know, has two years left. This will be Mason Fairchild's last season. And then uh, Trevor Cardell is a guy that probably has a year or two left. So, if you are a red, if you redshirt Jaden Ham this season, then as a redshirt freshman and into his redshirt sophomore season, those are the years where you could see him really start to get a lot of playing time and have a ma and make a major impact. But I think he's certainly a guy you got to be excited about just from the fact that of how highly rated he was, and he's from Eudora, which is close by, so you have that connection as well. Uh, but I think it would make sense to to maybe see him as a redshirt type player this year, where he has a chance to. To come into the program with with not a lot of pressure on his shoulders to make an impact and learn from uh, some really really great tight ends and it's clear that this position is a position that KU likes to use a lot and a position that they want to have really really strong depth in. Jaden Ham will certainly be adding to that in the future. Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's also Dylan Mong on the roster who's a freshman, Mac Moeller who's a redshirt sophomore. I believe both of those are walk-ons. Uh, so we get to the biggest stories, questions about the tight end group specifically, which also keep in mind, uh, Andy Kotelnicki is great as we think of him as an offensive coordinator. He's also the tight end coach, and that's been a pretty fruitful position last <laughs> year for Kansas. I, I think uh, yeah. this was one of the most improved positions from 2021 to 2022. Um this became an absolute strength of the team, and I go into this season saying it's once again an absolute strength of the team. But yeah. in 2021, there were some ups and downs from this position group. They a lot of times struggled in the blocking game, uh, but last year they were dynamite as a group blocking the football, and, and at times they ended up being the the higher rated uh, of any position in terms yeah. of like run blocking and some of the stuff they did. So yeah. uh, credit to Andy Kotelnicki there for not just his offensive play calling acumen, but also, you know, developing a lot of these players in this position specifically. Um, I guess the, the first question I have here, is anybody going to emerge behind Jared Casey and Mason Fairchild? And is that even possible barring an injury because there just might not be the playtime available? Yeah, with how good Mason Fairchild was last season, he, I think, has certainly cemented himself as the number one guy, certainly in the pass game, right? I mean, he's probably your most effective, reliable receiving tight end, and that showed last season because uh, I think he was tied for the team lead in touchdown receptions, I believe, last year uh, with seven. So, uh, I think it was six. Six? Was yeah. it six? Six. Uh, either way, you know, tied for the team lead, right? So very, very impressive stuff and made some really, really fantastic plays. It made the, I guess – is no look catch is that what we should call it the play against yeah. you <laughs> just kind of dropped into his hands <laughs> yeah. yeah uh so uh, you know you figure he's locked in as as your kind of main number one guy and then obviously with Jared Casey's versatility and what he brings is being able to line up in different spots obviously he was excellent as a blocker like you mentioned and and uh and also Jared Casey just from the 
cult hero standpoint. Uh, he's just a lovable player. Everybody loves him. So he's pretty much locked in. And then Trevor Cardell is a guy that I think maybe going into last year, people expected he could maybe supplant Jared Casey or like take away and play more. And it just didn't really didn't really happen for him. Uh, if I remember right, was he not was he dealing with an injury at some point early in the season? I think he was. I think he was early in the year, uh, and so it just never really quite came together to where he was that starting rotation level tight end. And but listen, uh, I mean, I think he's the type of guy that you feel very confident that he's capable of stepping in if you know if somebody needs a blow or if there is maybe an injury with the top two guys. You, you feel really really good about that. And I don't think there are very many teams in the Big Twelve or maybe even in the country for that matter that can say that they are have a lot of confidence in three deep tight ends on their roster. Like, like that's that, I would say that's pretty rare for today's game. And it just goes to show you the importance that KU puts on that position. And like you mentioned with Andy Kolnicki, having that connection to that position also. So, uh, I yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough to see Trevor Cardell maybe making that much of an impact, and then you go even further down with, like, Tavita Noah and Will Huggins. Like, when you've got two guys – like Mason Fairchild and Jared Casey, it just it becomes tough. It becomes tough to, to crack that that uh, significant starting rotation, you know, for more than five, ten snaps a game. Uh, so I kind of think that that's probably how it's going to be again this season, because you have Jared Casey as your blocker, Mason Fairchild's a great receiver, and then uh, you know just kind of go from there. So that that's kind of how I view it. I kind of expect it to be more of the same this year with with uh, Fairchild and Casey, but. Who knows? I mean, maybe Trevor Cardell is able to take a pretty big step forward, and maybe he is. And I, I think it's pretty clear that even if Jared Casey is a fan favorite, I don't think that means that he just gets a free pass in terms of he's going to be on the field, right? I mean, he's still right. – and listen, I'm sure nobody knows that better than Jared Casey himself. <laughs> you know, that it doesn't matter what you're – you know, who you are off the field or how much people – how much fans love you or whatever – you got to show up and work every day, and I think he. I mean, like I said, I think Jared Casey's probably the guy that knows that the most, more than anybody. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's how I kind of think. Those, I think those two guys will stay at the top. I will continue to ride that Will Huggins will eventually be a big contributor for this team. I don't. I don't Isn't know. He like, Maybe not. He's this like year. six seven, right? Yeah, yeah, he's gigantic. Um, but I, I don't know. It's it's tough this year with all those guys in front of you. Maybe maybe by next year or two years from now. I, I guess the follow up question to this goes in line with Fairchild and Casey like have those two hit their ceiling because last year was really good for them if that is the ceiling if that is the peak for Mason Fairchild and Jared Casey what they can give you that's more than good enough so there's nothing wrong with that yeah it's pretty good but do you think either of those guys or both of them can take another step forward I yeah I I don't know that I think from a I'll put it this way with Mason Fairchild I think from a stats perspective, like if you just look at the stat sheet, I don't know that he can do much better than he did last year, to be honest with you. And that's not to say that he, but what I, and what I mean by that is that he may look better, he may be more impactful, but on the stat sheet, it may not show up significantly more. Because listen, at the end of the day, especially when you're looking at, you know, receiving yards and and making receptions, he's battling with Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm. Quentin Skinner and that receiver group on the outside. Oh, and by the way, KU also loves to get their running backs involved in the pass game. So I just, I don't know, like, to me, I think it's very possible that we could be sitting here next season and say, wow, Mason Fairchild was elite, incredible, had a fantastic season, the best season he could have ever had, and his numbers might not look that much different than they did last year. 
even if even if on the field you could see him popping up way more and being way more impactful. I just don't know that his I don't know that his numbers necessarily will look any better than they did last year significantly because just because of that fact. I mean, you're talking about one of six, seven, eight guys that's going to be looking to get the ball in his hands and and make a big impact. Now, maybe it's a situation where uh, he kind of becomes more of a red zone type guy. So maybe he his reception numbers aren't crazy, but he has a ton of touchdowns again. Uh, but I just don't see his numbers necessarily leaping off the page that much more this year compared to next year, even even if he individually maybe does look a lot better and takes another step forward. Yes. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and when you go back to the receivers and we talked about, like, can somebody break out for 1,000 yards or something like that, um, there's only so many yards to go around. Exactly. So if, yeah. if, if we have let, everybody let, back... Also, KU is a very balanced offense. Yes. So it's not like they're going to be throwing the ball 40 times a game. Yeah. Now, can you be more efficient with what you had? Can you be a better blocker? I think that's where this comes in. Like, I, I do agree with you. I think the receiving numbers, it's going to be hard to top. Um, I do think that I view Mason Fairchild as being a guy that if he has a good enough season, he could be like a late NFL draft pick and I think be so an all-conference yeah. tight end. So that, that's oh, really so good. Too. I think he could easily be a guy that, like, gets drafted in, like, the sixth or seventh round and maybe some NFL teams that didn't do enough research didn't realize that, like, Wow, this guy's really good. It just his numbers aren't crazy because of the type, the, you know, yes. what he was with. But I guess that's that's the next question I have because when you look at you know twenty twenty one, the year one of the Lance Leipold era, the tight ends, to be frank, like struggled with run blocking. You look at some of the Pro Football Focus grades; uh, they weren't great for the tight end group. But in twenty twenty two, they were great run blocking. Yeah. Um, can they take another step forward? Can they go from being a really good run blocking unit to now being like? one of the most elite tight end run-blocking units in the country. I think that becomes another question here because um, when I'm looking at the running game for KU, you talked about how they're balanced, and they are. A lot of what KU was able to do on the ground was from the triple option game, from not just the blocking of the option, but the stress that it puts on defense is when you have the quarterback running the ball, when you have the decision of you can give it to this guy or that guy, when you can pitch it to this guy or that guy that it adds to not just the physical side of it, the mental side of it. But when you look at a lot of the, it seems like the running plays that Kansas ran, where it was just like the wide zone or halfback dive or something like that on your first downs and second downs, it wasn't every time. There were a lot of times where, yeah, they still were gashing them that way. But there were also a lot of Big 12 games where they weren't able to establish much doing that. And you would wind up in a lot of second down and nine, second down and 11, but then they would just get it anyway because the rest of the offense was still really good. Can you set yourself up better in those situations? Um, and part of that is, yeah, if the, if the line can take another jump forward, if the tight ends can take another jump forward, how much better can they get as run blockers? That is uh, another question here. Now, um, I I guess uh, in the case of Jared Casey, too, like going back to the the ceiling question, I said with, with me for Mason Fairchild, I think there is maybe another slight step up you can take. I don't know that it would be reflected statistically. I view the same thing for Jared Casey. I do think there is more room statistically for Jared Casey to grow. Obviously, there is for like Trevor Cardell and some of the other tight ends. But um, I, I guess uh, bottom line here, confidence scale, better, worse, or the same than uh, last year. I think you got to feel better, right? Mason Fairchild is coming off of his best season by far. And he was preseason first team, right? I believe. Or was he preseason second team? I don't think he got. I think they only had the first team. Oh, postseason. He was second or third. I want to say second. I want to say second team. Yeah. Uh, So, obviously, people are starting to turn their heads on him and realize that he's a really solid tight end. Uh, And then with Jared Casey, I mean, again, I don't know how you can feel 
I don't know how you can feel worse about him. I mean, he also had a great season, right? And 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 also, I think what makes you feel even better is you do have that depth. I mean, I think if if one of those guys, for whatever reason, does deal with an injury, I don't think there's going to be any drop off in confidence internally or really even externally if Trevor Cardell is your next guy taking some snaps, right? I don't, I don't think that confidence level drops a little bit. So when you have when you can go three deep like that at a position like tight end. To me, that just makes it even more that you have to feel even more confident than than you did last year. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I definitely feel more confident uh, for comparing to when we were talking about it this time last year. Last year, headed into the year, there were a lot more questions. It was like, well, Mason Fairchild had a good start to the season. He dealt with injuries. Trevor yeah. Cardell, that didn't really just... With Jared Casey, he had the great last three games of the season, <laughs> but it was like... <laughs> Is that just because the other tight ends were injured, or what's yeah. his role going to no, be? I'm glad you brought up the 2021 stuff because I think mm-hmm. it's easy for people to be like, 2021 they were great. I mean, Jared Casey caught the, caught the play to help beat Texas, and no, they were fantastic. But really, there was sort of that up and down, right? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't sunshine and rainbows every single game for those guys. Uh, and then obviously last year they were just really really solid and elite for the entire season, basically. Yes. Uh, and and. I, f- I feel kind of bad because I think the answer to this question has been pretty much the same, which is, and we've already talked about this quite a bit, but KU's obviously bringing back a lot of guys. So a lot of these questions is, well, they were pretty good last year. They're bringing everybody back. So how can you not feel worse? <laughs> or how, yeah. can you feel, how can you feel less confident? Yeah, and I have tried to push back a little that I've said, yeah, it could just be the same if, the, if there's not that growth. Like if, if we go back to the question about hitting the ceiling, I view this one, though, as definitely I mean, better. Yeah, I, I will say this. I do think, Jared Casey's hit a ceiling. I don't know, man. I think there's more to the I ball mean, I there. I think a ceiling is a really, really elite run blocker, and then he can he's great for leaking out and getting behind the defense. I think there's even more there. I really do. I, I'm I'm the biggest Jared Casey guy <laughs> there is. Um but I, I think it's beyond that. I think you feel even better about your depth behind those two this year. Like we actually oh, felt yeah. solid about it last year behind those two, but I feel even better about it this year. So I think this one's clearly better. Um, as we've been going through, yeah, we have kind of said better for you know all the different positions, but I have been open to hearing that it's just the same. Oh yeah, for sure. This so one I, I definitely like, feel better. Going back to like the wide receiver room, you know, what if there is a little bit of regression and it is more of the same? Which mm-hmm. more of the same is not necessarily bad. And obviously with the quarterback situation, if there's injuries, then there you go. That's your main concern there. Kind of the same deal with running backs, or if it takes you know a guy like Daniel Highshaw a little bit, so. There is definitely, I mean, it's not all, it's not just going to be, oh, all these guys are going to be way better. You know, there's still definitely some some hitches in the giddy up of if you're going to be able to continue to build on what you did last year. And that's that's how it goes, right? I mean, listen, progression is not linear. It's not you were, it's not you get better one year, then you get even better the next year. Then you even, no, sometimes you might have years where it's a little bit more up and down or whatever. But I think going into it, your confidence level has to still be pretty high with a lot of these position groups on the offense that we've already been talking about, including the tight end room. Yes, I would agree with that. So we'll finish up with the for the offensive side of the ball with the offensive line. Um, we'll probably do that on tomorrow's show. But based on how this is going, with us continually saying better for a lot of these, <laughs> I guess that just means that we're expecting the offense to be even better than it was last year, right? And that that's a high bar. Yeah, or yeah, more of the same or better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very high expectations. They I, were a really I, good offense last year. I know, and the schedule that we've talked about quite a bit is pretty much a lot tougher than it was last year. Probably, mm-hmm. I would think. Uh, so you know, I think 
I think this what's going to end up happening, and I like we like I talked with with Mason Fairchild is, I think this could be a situation where you do see some guys like on film or watching the game. You're like, wow, that guy's he's playing really really well. Like he's he's doing really really well, but the stats might not necessarily look better. Like like listen, it's entirely possible that the KU offense is quote unquote better than they were last year, and they average the same amount of points per game mm-hmm. or their yards per game is the same. Right, like I, I think that's entirely possible. Where if you just if you don't even look at the stats and you just watch the games, you think, "Wow, these guys are really, really good." And then you look at the stats, and maybe it's kind of the same as last year. I mean, I think that's pretty possible. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So that'll put a lot more stress on the defense, which we'll get to those uh, position previews coming up later. Once again, don't forget you can register for RCST trivia at RCST thirteen twenty or RCST thirteen twenty AM at gmail.com. Let us know please your favorite register. football player. Yes, yeah. please and register. Also ask questions from mailbag, which is coming up later. That's in the right. Show. Yes, which is uh coming up at four o'clock. Uh RCST is brought to you by twenty third Street Brewery in Lawrence. More of the show coming up next on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. KLWN.com and the KLWN app. Joined now by Brock McGinnis, KU Women's Basketball Assistant Coach. We had Brock on, I don't know, about a year ago or so, and uh, that was in his previous position in player development. He's now been promoted to assistant coach with the team. So I I guess first things first there, uh, what's going to be the biggest difference in your role and what you're being asked to do now that you are an assistant coach on the staff? Uh, Well, the first thing is going to be – a lot more recruiting. Um, you know, in my previous role, I wasn't doing any recruiting off campus. Um, it, so that's been probably the biggest adjustment that I've had to make. Um, and then, you know, the second thing is with just with the, the way the NCAA rules were, I wasn't really allowed to do any coaching or providing instruction of anybody at all uh, on the court. You know, I could talk in, we could have meet staff meetings or whatever, and I could give my opinion, but once we got on the court, it was pretty much, you know, stand over there and observe and take some notes and then share your thoughts afterwards. So now I can take some notes and observe and do all that and then share my thoughts in real time with the players. And, uh, you know, what from those past four years on staff in that different role, what have those years at least taught you or, or maybe helped you in getting ready for, for this position? You know, uh, Having worked for Brandon, it's been it's been pretty seamless transition. Uh, you know, knowing the system, knowing kind of what we like to do, I haven't had to learn on the fly and also try to instruct our players. Uh, he's been great since the day I got here. You know, Terry's obviously somebody that was a big mentor for me. Um, you know, I'd I'd be down there when he was working with our post players, and I'd be down there just watching, trying to soak it up. You know, make sure that. You know, he'd been around forever, been doing it forever, obviously really successful at it. Uh, so I was trying to soak up as much as as much of that as I could so that you know, whenever I did get my opportunity to be it here at KU, uh, like it worked out or somewhere else, I was ready to go. You played at Ottawa University nearby. Um, when you were a player, did you ever think that, that you'd be coaching? And I don't know, did, did you ever – like in, envision some of the, the things that were passed down to you when you were playing about what coaches were saying that you could be doing those same things, you know, a decade or so later. Yeah. Uh, you know, I honestly, I owe coach carrier a lot of the reason I'm here today. Uh, you know, I was, my plan when I graduated high school was to go get a PE degree and, you know, 
teach and coach at the high school level. Um, you know, after somewhere after my sophomore season, I sat down with him and he was like, Hey, uh, you know, you're going to be really good at this, but I want you to really put some thought into going and doing it at the college level. Uh, you know, I think it's something you'd be really good at. You have the, the personality and the skill set to do that. Uh, so, you know, I want you to think over the summer and, you know, we'll, we'll get back together in the fall and we'll start putting you on on the track to if you want to do the college thing get get into college program i worked uh the yes i can basketball camp that summer and that was probably where i really realized that hey you know it's it's going to be the college route for me Um, i owe him a whole bunch of the reason i'm here yeah yeah how do those experiences as a player impact the way that you want to come across that the way that you want to be seen as a coach yeah, it's something, you know, that I was was very, uh, very formative for me. You know, Coach Carrier wasn't – I've never really been around a yeller and a screamer. Uh, Coach Carrier wasn't that way with any of us. You know, it was very, very honest, brutally honest with us, but it was at a normal voice level. You know, it wasn't any, nothing ever demeaning, anything like that. And I think that was obviously very formative for me. And, you know, I'm not a screamer. I'm not a yeller. You know, it's not anything that I'm going to go lose my mind on somebody. Um, but I'm, I'm brutally honest with them. And I tell them, you know, hey, you know, if I don't like something or they're doing something with bad body language, I get, they hear about it. But I think it's also really important for us, you know, that that's a two-way street. Uh, you know, I tell all of our post players who I'm working with right now, if I do something or I got bad body language for something or whatever, you know, you're more than allowed to. To, you know, fix that for me, you know, hold me accountable to it too. So I think that helps as I'm having those conversations with them, they know that they can do the same to me. And so there's a, it's a two way street of honesty. I think that's been, been very helpful for us. We've talked before about your time in the video room at Oklahoma state and with the Toronto Raptors, but how yep. well do you think that time has, has prepared you for this? Oh, I think it's, uh, the, the year I spent with the Toronto Raptors, was really just cutting up film uh, and labeling the actions in the film. Uh, so that was my first quote unquote real job that, you know, required me to, to really make sure I was on my stuff and I knew what I was doing. And I was sending video to an NBA team trying to win a world championship at that point. That was correct. So I had to really lock in and really learn. It really taught me how to watch film. Uh, really break it down. You know, the, the depth at which they break down film at that level was so, so deep. You know, they, they've got they've got every shot that NBA players take in the season for years and years and years, and they got every set that's run. And so there's some, some Bill Belichick tendencies to NBA coaches that they may, may not have ran a play for six years, but they can go into a timeout and draw it up. And then it's like, oh, wow, they can – they can just do that, and then they take it out on the court, and then you got to break it down and send it to them and make sure it's right. Uh, so, you know, the video room was great for me because it, it really, really made me buckle down and make sure I was getting my stuff right. Well, I guess, side note, this is kind of an off-the-beaten-path question, but since you've had that experience with Toronto, Grady Dick obviously grafted by, uh, drafted by the Raptors. How well do you think he kind of will fit in with that organization and that team? Oh, I think Grady's going to be great up there. You know, it's it's a 
a completely different staff from when I was there. I was actually there two coaching staffs ago. Uh, but just, you know, he's got the body, he's got the, the sh- he can shoot it. He's got, he's long, you know, he's a, a much better defender than coach self probably gave him credit for at times. Uh, he'll be great up there in that system. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun to watch. We're talking with Brock McGinnis, KU women's basketball assistant coach here on RCST. When you look at the roster, you guys have mass returners. You win the NIT a year after making the NCAA tournament and winning a game. Uh, mass starters back, some big time incoming freshmen. Uh, what are the internal program expectations? What what are are the internal thoughts on on what you guys want to do this season and, and accomplish? You know, as much uh, as much fun as everybody had on that about two-and-a-half-week stretch there late March, early April, and and no disrespect to anybody in the WNIT, we, you know, we're not playing for that. Um, we took that as kind of a springboard into our offseason, uh, you know, and it's been – we've had some of the more competitive workouts that I've been around since I've been here. You know, people were just – they weren't happy with it. You know, we all believed we were a tournament team a year ago. Um, we, we all thought we did did what we needed to do to be in the field. Um, but that's that's the the floor around here for us right now is a tournament berth is is the floor and the expectation around here is to go win some games in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. And what are the things that, that you guys are most trying to improve from a a team perspective in in terms of what you're trying to get better at from uh, last year to this year? I think the most important thing for us, you know, with with all of this, we got a lot of experience coming back that's played in a ton of Big 12 games, a ton of games in general, you know, close games, blowouts, overtime games, you know, game winners. You know, we've got to make sure that those, the people that have been a part of that are now passing it on to people like Samaya and Laya and some of our new, our incomers um, that are will be, you know, able to, when they get in that situation, they've already seen it in practice, or it's something that their older teammates had talked to them about. And, you know, so it's not, it's not really new to them. It's, you know, oh, wow, we did this in practice one day. I know what's going on. Or, you know, it's just making sure that that experience is being passed on to, to our younger players that are newer to the program. Uh, the team has an international trip. Coming up here in uh, August 6th to 16th, I believe, are the dates there. Greece and Italy. What are you most excited to, to visit, to, to do overseas beyond the basketball? How excited are you to, to get to go over to Europe? Well, I've never been over to Europe, so that just being over there will be a first for me. Uh, I'm a big, big pizza guy. Okay. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat right when I'm over there. <laughs> um, it's Outside of the, the games we're going to play, it's vacation for me, and calories don't count on vacation. So we're going <laughs> to make sure I take advantage of it. I love that. I love that. How much from uh, from the basketball perspective? And I guess uh, I guess off the court, it can help with you know team bonding, chemistry, and stuff too. But how important is an opportunity like that? How helpful can that be before a season? Oh, it, I think it'll be huge for us. You know, after that that WNIT run, and then the workouts we've had. You know, this is just another layer to us being able to build upon what we've got going on here. Uh, you know, it'll be a chance to, to do some team bonding, to to go see different parts of the world and experience a different culture. Um, you know, then we'll sprinkle in a, a little bit of basketball here and there to make sure that, that we're continuing to grow as a team that way also.
All right, he is Brock McGinnis, KU Women's Basketball Assistant Coach. Brock, I appreciate spending some time here, and uh, yeah, go go enjoy some uh, lots of pizza in about a month from now. I will do that. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was Brock McGinnis, new KU Women's Basketball Assistant Coach, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got our KU mailbag coming up next. We're uh, also going to have a fun game in the 4 o'clock hour, Women's World Cup soccer player or uh, Florida Man Mad Libs in the 5 o'clock hour. And Jonathan Davis will help us preview Texas. That's next up in our teams to preview for uh, KU football coming up at about 530. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depending on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You can uh, hit us up with any last second mailbag questions because we're about to get to our KU mailbag at RCST on 1320 on Twitter. That's also where you can go if you want to register for RCST trivia. And uh, you can also do that on our email, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. Uh, so our first question here. It's part of the KU mailbag is from Hawkman has two questions. The first one, what if Drew Gooden did not leave early? Mm. Uh, I think that would have been really good <laughs> for KU. <laughs> Great analysis there. Okay, so uh, Drew Gooden was a junior on the 0102 Kansas team. They went 33 and four overall, 16 and 0. They're the only team to ever go undefeated in Big 12 play. Yep, uh, made it all the way to the Final Four, then lost a super high scoring game. To Maryland, Drew Gooden was the, I would say, the best player on that team. I mean, that that team was loaded. Uh, Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich, Jeff Boshi, Dwayne Simeon coming off the bench, Keith Langford, Aaron Miles, refreshment. That's a pretty good team. Very, very good team, right? Obviously, Drew Gooden, sixteen zero in conference. Yes, was the team was the team leader in points per game at nineteen point eight, team leader in rebounds per game at eleven point four. Um, he also averaged two assists per game, was the team leader in steals at one point eight. And was second on the team in blocks with 1.4 per game. Shot 52% on twos, 28% on threes, 76% at the foul line. He was unbelievable. All-American level player. Um, if he comes back for the following season, I mean, I, I think it's easy to just be like, okay, if you add Drew Gooden to the team that lost to Syracuse in the national title by three points, if you just plop him on that team, they're winning they, the title. They probably right? win the title. Of yeah. course they are. Um <laughs> But it's also, it's it's one of those things where it changes the path a good amount because the the team the next year in 03 ended up getting a two seed. Um, is the how different is the path? I guess, and I'm not saying that like the 03 team had a very difficult path to get through well, to the. What about the roster construction of that team? I mean, where I mean, it just would have been the start. Same. But what about, I mean, would that have changed your, that would have changed your lineup, obviously. Yeah, I mean, instead of Jeff Graves getting the start in the national title game, instead of Wayne Simeon being a starter for most of the season until he got hurt, it just would have been Drew Gooden. It was pretty much the same team minus Drew Gooden in 03, basically. So I, I don't know that it would have affected much. But basically what I'm saying is, like, if they're the one seed in a different region, do they get a, a tougher path somewhere? I would say most likely if Drew Gooden's back on that team, they win the title. I mean, if you're a one seed, your path would hypothetically be easier. Yeah, because right. that's the thing. I mean, their path in 03, they had to beat three-seed Duke in the Sweet 16, one-seed Arizona in the uh, Elite Eight. That was a really good Arizona team. Then they had to beat Marquette in the Final Four with Dwayne Wade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the oh yeah, just maybe could have even got— Just Dwayne Wade. Yeah, just yeah. Dwayne Wade, just that guy. Oh, only no big be, deal. Only beat him by 33. No biggie. Um, yeah, I, I feel very good in saying if Drew Gooden's on that team, they win the title. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if you're if, the, if you're that close to begin with— and you bring back a guy that's an all-American level player, 
that certainly you know increases your outlook and probably gives you an easier path. The other question is, I don't know off the top of my head, you might have it pulled up. How many conference games did that team lose? Would they have would they have gone undefeated in conference in the second? Oh, for back to back years. Yeah, that would have been incredible. They went fourteen and two in conference play, so it's not. I mean, it's not out of the normal possibility. They might have gone. 32 and 0. In yeah. Play. Now, I would argue that you could say maybe the rest of the Big 12 was a little tougher in uh 2003 than it was in I don't know. It's it's tough cuz OU was really good in 02. 03 you had a Texas team that made the final four, but 02 Oklahoma also made the final four. So maybe not. They only lost, they lost by 7. I don't know. Oklahoma was still really good in 03 though, too. Um Hmm. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm just tossing it out there. It, it is possible, which, I mean, that that's absolutely crazy. They, they, you could possibly have done that back-to-back years. But, yeah, I will say uh, that's what would have happened there. Also, Drew Gooden probably would have been the favorite to win National Player of the Year coming into 03. I'm trying to think who won it in 02. Was he first-team All-American in 02? Um, I want to say yes. As far as, like, the National Player of the Year, Nick Collison, like, won one of them in 03. Um... And then it was like TJ Ford and David West splitting the other ones. I guess Drew Gooden split one of the ones in 2002 with Jason Williams. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I guess we can just end it there. They're, they're winning the title. And then here's his <laughs> other question. What if Mangino didn't play Todd Reesing during the Colorado game, a game that they ended up coming back and winning, therefore keeping his red shirt? So this was the 2006 season. So I don't really have a ton of knowledge of this. You're gonna have to. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit? About okay. What so here? yeah. So pretty much what happened was uh, 2006 Kansas. Um, the offense struggled a bit, to to kind of say the least. They had a really good defense, right? I mean that that was I believe the year that uh, Nick Reed ended up winning like Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and whatnot. Um, and so this would have been Todd Reesing's true freshman season in 2006 after he came in from uh, from Lake Travis. Um, at this point, starting quarterback for KU, like Kerry Meyer, that's at the point when like he was a quarterback. And um, it ended up what happened was Reesing was going to redshirt that first year in 2006. But because they were struggling and struggling at the quarterback position, Mark Mangino decided to remove his red shirt against Colorado, and he ended up having three touchdowns and led them to a come from behind uh, twenty to fifteen victory against the Buffaloes. And uh, Kerry Meyer at the time, part of the reason he burned the red shirt is, I believe Kerry Meyer was hurt at the time. I'm trying to remember who the starting quarterback was that just wasn't playing well for KU. Adam Barman. Adam Barman had kind of an up and down there. Uh, for Kansas, and so they ended up going with Todd Reesing there. Now, Kerry Meyer ended up coming back later, returning from injury, and so then Reesing went back to being the backup quarterback through the end of the season. But uh, a couple things there. If they don't burn Todd Reesing's red shirt, first of all, that team went 6-6, six and six, so they probably don't win the Colorado game. They go 5-7. and seven, They don't make it to a bowl eligibility. Unfortunately, though, that team did not get to play in a bowl game despite going 6-6. Six and six. So I guess it really wouldn't have mattered whether they were 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Six and six. The big difference here is that, because this wasn't in the day and age where you're allowed to, like now you can play in four games and still get a red shirt. Yeah. It's yeah. just you had to red shirt or not. Um, the idea here is that he would have got an extra season. Meaning that he would have been a, a red shirt senior at that point 
for the 2010 season instead of 29 or, or 2009 being his finish. Uh, the 2010 team went three and nine that year. And at quarterback, you had Jordan Webb going seven touchdowns to eight interceptions. Clearly, you have a big upgrade at the quarterback position there. I would like to think they beat North Dakota State instead of losing six to three. So that gets you to four wins. I would like to think you win at Southern Mississippi. You lost 31 to 16. Um, so maybe that gets you to five wins, but you lost by 48 to Baylor, 52 to Kansas State, 35 to Texas AM. Um, you lost by 17 to number nine, Nebraska, 34 to Oklahoma State, 28 to Missouri. Maybe you win the game at Iowa State that you lost by 12. So, I mean, best case scenario, even if Todd Reesing is back for 2010, that's probably still only a five or six win team. So I, I don't know how much it changes over the course of history. Yeah, that is interesting because uh, it's it might be easier in hindsight because of the fact that that 06 team ended up not going to a bowl anyways when they went 6-6. Six and six. So it's like, well, okay, if that's the case, yeah. then, you know, maybe you should have just kept them a redshirt if you – but you wouldn't know that, obviously, at the time. Like, if you're Mark Mangino at the time, you're thinking, we got to get to bowl eligibility. Right. And then that doesn't happen, or it does happen, but you don't get to go. But So then you're thinking, well, maybe you should have – somehow known in advance <laughs> to not burn reasoning but I think if anything this could have had a negative impact because if it without that game against Colorado you didn't have the idea that reasoning could be a really productive play the 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 talk about Todd reasoning throughout his college career at Kansas was that he was not a good practice player he was a gamer he was somebody who would would throw a bunch of interceptions in practice some of it was maybe testing limits uh but that uh, once the game turned on he was just a gamer and without the Colorado game, like, what if he just never becomes the starting quarterback headed into the 2007 Orange Bowl year, right? Like, what if you don't have the trust that he can do it in game? Um, what if he needed that to inspire his own confidence and to make himself think that he could do it for that 07 season? So I, I think without, uh, with, I don't know, if, if he if he doesn't burn the red shirt, it actually probably has a net negative. Okay, this one from Jasper. Add one offensive and one defensive player from the Charlie Weiss era to this year's team. Okay, so I think we we briefly kind of touched on this a little bit off air just to each other. Ben Heaney is the obvious defensive player. Unbelievable you linebacker. Add, right? You add him to the defense, like he'd be a huge help, yes. So he's he's pretty obvious. Uh, a couple other guys we that were in discussion the, the problem is, like, your secondary is pretty solid. But right, you there like were good a, corners, like Jacory Shepard, Fish Smithson, right? Uh, Fish Smithson would have been a, a solid choice for but your But you safety. feel good about this year's secondary. Uh, and then you look at the D-line. Uh, I think we had, like, Keon Stowers maybe. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't the, – the I think the if it wasn't for Ben Heaney, the obvious answer would have been whoever your best pass rusher was from that time on, that, on those teams. 2012 Kansas, their leader in sacks, had one and a half sack. Oh, which was Charlie Weiss's first year. Um, 2013 Kansas, their leader in sacks was Michael Reynolds. That could be a good one. Six and a half sacks, 10 tackles for loss. There you go. So that could be a good one there. Ben Goodman was pretty good, too. Uh, wasn't Kyron Watson on one of those teams? Mm. Some of those Weiss years run together with the Beatty years, don't they? Um, <laughs> Michael Reynolds had seven sacks, two and 24. I think that might be the, the competition. It's Ben Michael Heaney Reynolds. or Michael Reynolds. With Reynolds, you Michael Reynolds in 2014 had 14 and a half tackles for loss, seven sacks, and five forced fumbles. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'd be tempted to actually again, take that. Your secondary, your secondary on this on this iteration of Lance Leipold is pretty solid. Mm -hmm. Your biggest weakness is pass rush slash D line. Yeah. 
and, but and, again, when you got Ben Heaney there. Here's what Ben Heaney did in his final three or his three years of the Weiss era. 326 tackles, 36 <laughs> tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, four interceptions, five pass deflections. So just the ta- tackle or, machine. Yeah, one forced fumble, three forced fumbles. So it's pretty much, yeah. I I almost, you know, Heaney, I think, is the better overall player. But the more I think about it, actually, the Reynolds pick, man, having that extra so pass rusher. On offense, you have Tony Pearson, who I think maybe might be your best option. Kind of a running back receiver there's, hybrid. But, but there's other receivers out there. Uh, there was Justin McKay, who, even though his career didn't end up being that great during the Weiss era. He special was a, teams player, actually, He too. was a, uh, a highly touted type guy. Yeah, the 2014 uh, team probably had the best. Okay, I guess you could add James King. Sims. James do you want to add Sims. another good running back? James Sims. I feel like they're good at running back, so I'm not going to do that. Um, Jimmy Mundine, really good receiver, but... Yeah. Or, I mean, tight end, but you don't need another tight end. Dude, I remember playing as him in, like, NCAA Football 13. That dude was awesome. And I played with KU. Um, yeah, so he was really good. And then you also had that 2014 team had... A couple good receivers. Nick Harwell was really good. Yeah, Nigel King was good. Um, Nigel King. I I kind of would want to go Tony Pearson though when I think yeah, offensively I think so because it would give he's you more a, depth at running back. Yeah, and he, he's just a multi-tool player. Right, and you can play him a receiver. And and the big question I have is as much as I really like the KU receiving core, it's finding a guy who um can make things happen with yards after catch. Yeah, I think it's a, looking for an explosive player that can turn a five-yard out into 20 yards. Right, or and like that's that. what Tony Pearson can kind of do. Um, he also would be your automatic go-to for kick return and punt return, which you're looking to improve. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think Tony Pearson on the offense. I think there's one other sneaky answer. Okay. Tanner Hawkinson. He was only with Weiss for one year in 2012. Ended up being a fifth-round pick of the Bengals in 2013 as an offensive lineman. Could you? It doesn't hurt to have more good offensive linemen, but I also yeah. feel good about the line. You've got, I don't know. Yeah, you've got. I mean, you've got. I think I'm right going now. To you've got yeah. seven guys or so on the offensive line that you think are pretty solid. So, I don't know. I'd like to see what Andy Kolnick could cook up with a guy like Tony Pierce. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one from Mark. What is the best ending to a sports movie? Mm, interesting. Uh, I like Miracle. Obviously, when okay. the United States That's wins. Good. That's a good one. Uh, I'm trying to remember the endings of other sports movies that I like. So it's funny because I would almost like uh, the the movie Friday Night Lights. I think has a really good sport has a really good ending, but it's not a happy ending. Yeah. But it's still good because it's just different. You're not used to an ending that way. Honestly, my favorite sports ending might be Tin Cup. I don't know if you've seen I don't that know. one. I, what is what is that? The whole movie itself is fine. It's it's not a. I, I think it's a solid movie. You know. It's, it, okay. But the ending is my favorite sports movie. So ending. What's it about? It's a, a golf movie. Uh, Kevin Costner is in it. Um, he's in every sports movie, so you probably could have guessed that. Um, and I I don't know. I uh, should I ruin? Do you want to watch it? Oh, uh, you want me to uh, yeah, spoil I guess it? that's true. Maybe you shouldn't spoil it. Okay. I don't well. Know. Tin Cup would, would probably be up there for me. I'm trying okay. to think what else would go up there. Yeah, well, uh, listen, full disclosure, I haven't watched a sports movie in a while, to be honest. I haven't watched a lot of movies in a while, period. Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm having a, like, I don't know, other good sports movies. But see, the problem with this question is my mind it just jumps to what are other good sports movies. Right. Not necessarily what have good endings. Yeah, like I'm thinking like Moneyball is a really good sports movie, exactly. but I don't, yeah. remember, I don't remember having just, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what the ending is. I think it's like they lose in the playoffs, but he gets his daughter back or something, which I guess is, in a way, it's a good ending. Uh, But yeah, tin cup. Tin cup for me. Okay, this one from Derek. Uh, Are there more doors or tires in the world as of now? 
Doors and tires must still have some functionality. I think tires. All right, so let's break this down. Let's say you've got a regular household. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many doors do you think are in your house? A lot. How many? Well, my house, I'm trying to think. Okay. Let's put it this way. Because I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some math. Does your house have more than eight doors? Yes. I think probably around 10. Okay. So if you have 10 doors Nine in your 10. house, but you have and, but you have two vehicles for your house, so that's eight tires. Right. Unless you have like bikes and stuff, I guess. Does a garage door count as a door? No, I'm not counting. It's called it. a garage door. It's not. A, I'm not counting it. It has to swing open on hinges. What about a sliding glass door? That can count. Sure. Fine. What about <laughs> a double door? What do you mean? What do, what do you mean? Like a we have a door is obviously a door. Like it's like it's French doors. Like it's swing open. Sort of. Yeah. But yeah, those count. Is that two doors though? Or is that one? Yeah, I think it's two doors. If you swing okay. it both, if you swing, one could I'm be open. Trying to reenact it, even though well, one could be closed, it. one could be open, and that would be the door. So. I guess it's two. It's two doors. Okay. Yeah. What about a closet door? So, yes, closet doors count. Okay, but here's something else you're misconfusing. What? Every car has two to four doors, maybe sometimes six. <laughs> so even cars. Here's so, the problem. Okay, if cars have doors, then the answer has to be doors then. Yes. Right? It has to be because it's negating itself. But, dude. There's also bicycles now with wheels. Think about how many Hot Wheels there are Tricycles. Those, have you considered okay, that? That's a good point. Hot there's, there's lots there's of wheels. Four hot wheels. There are four, many wheels, but there's, there's still four wheels. wheels on a Hot Wheels car. Yeah. No doors on the Hot Wheels car, dude. That's a good point. You could have tens of thousands of wheels. Wow. What else are wheels used for besides like cars and stuff? <laughs> like transportation. Well, well he he says specifically tires. I guess eighteen wheels okay, are no, no, helping. No, no. Oh, the doors are tires. Or tires. So not oh. and not just wheels. See now we got sidetracked. Hot Wheels are gone. Yeah, we did get sidetracked. No, Hot Wheels is not gone. No, Those are Hot tires. Wheels don't have tires. Yes, they do. They're plastic circles. Those are <laughs> wheels. Those are not tires. I think they should count as tires. No, they don't. It's definitely doors then. Okay, doors versus tires. But I would be open to wheels more than doors more than tires. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, again, I think the way to break it down is if if you take someone's house and you have X number of doors in the house. Versus however many tires you have, if it's more doors than tires, and then you just you know extrapolate that out, boom, more right. doors than tires. Yeah, that's what I said. More okay, doors yeah. than tires. We're on the same page. But more wheels than doors. I think I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one from Jeff. Does the Kansas TBT team have a good chance of making some noise? Uh, yeah, I think so. When you look at their talent and uh, who they have, which by the way, I think their first game is tonight. But it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at the players they have, they've been practicing in Lawrence, so uh, you know it's been kind of a little mini reunion thing. And they're, by the way, there's betting odds on the TBT minus and I think, twelve and a half. Let's say I think they're pretty big favorites tonight. And I mean, they're a one seed, right? Aren't yeah, they, they, they are uh, playing. We are D three, who hasn't won a tournament game before, but they have been actually pretty competitive in their past. Like, don't let it. So if you just base it off the fact that they're a one seed, yeah, they you should. They should have a good chance to make a run. Yeah, so if they win tonight, they'd play either Show Me Squad, which is the Missouri alumni, or Vegas Rebellion, which is the UNLV alumni. Um, I think it sets up well for them in the first two matchups. I think it gets interesting. I really like the the roster of Living the Dream, who's the sixth seed in their region. LA Cheaters, who's the three seed, has had a lot of success in this event, and they have some interesting players too. Uh, Team Heartfire has a really good roster. That matchup in the third round could be really good. I'm expecting them to make it at least there, but I think they can get through that one too. I think where it gets really interesting is, okay, first of all, you could potentially have a 
basically it'd be a quarterfinals matchup, the, the round of eight, with either the Aftershocks, which would be the Wichita State team, Purple and Black, which would be the Kansas State team, or Team Arkansas, which we know the you know history of the uh, the Kansas Arkansas oh, here over dude, the past year. Those stupid yes. clowns. I'll be honest, I, I picked I my bracket that. earlier today. I had the uh, Mass Street team in the Final Four, where I see things starting to be problematic. The Bayheim's Army Syracuse team is really good. Yeah, I don't think win every year. Or no, that's not. The thing They've won it before, but What's they the make deep runs every, every year? year. Well, overseas elite won it four straight years, but they retired, so they're they're uh, not they're not a thing anymore. Hey, my dad texted me uh, yes. about the sports movies question. Okay, he said the natural. Um, you know, I, I've good, never actually seen The Natural. I haven't either. But he said it, he, he must have a good ending. My dad is pretty good. Taste okay. Well, maybe so we'll he, watch he it knows. tonight. We'll report back to you tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Springer, for uh, for that one. Um, yeah, I'll, 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 they should be able to go far. I go back to the the last time they were in when they were self made about I don't know three, four, or five years ago, and they played Sideline Cancer, who not a lot of people knew some of the players on the roster. Sideline Cancer has been one of the like best teams in this event, so it was a tough matchup. And on top of it, Perry Ellis like, tore his ACL in yeah. the first like minute. It was just, and, and the roster wasn't as good as it is now. You've got Thomas Robinson, who should be one of the best big men in this event. Diedrich Lawson should be one of the best big men in this event. Uh, you have experienced players Tyson like Tyshawn Taylor, Taylor Mario Brandon Chalmers. Rush. Yeah, Mario Little has actually been great in this event. Brandon Rush, experienced player. Like they should have enough to make a deep run, if not win this whole thing. I don't know that they're the most talented teams. I do think they're one of the top ten, maybe top five most talented. I mean, teams. again, if you base it off the fact they they come into this event as a one seed, yeah. So so there's obviously some expectations they should be really they're good. going to be a good team. Would not shock me at all if they won it all, and it uh, would be a lot of fun, certainly, if they did. I'm all in on uh, DraftKings. You can bet on T-Rob to score 15-plus points. It's plus money, so all aboard that. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU Mailbag. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Florida Man Mad Libs comes at you at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Then we'll get to our KU Texas early season preview at about 5.30. We got another fun game, though. Nick uh, got fired last season, but he got a new job at a non-Power 5 school. Uh, this game yep, I'm happy to be here. will be Women's World Cup player or KU journalism professor. Oh, now for those that don't know, I actually graduated from the KU journalism school. So I should, I in theory... I should have a chance to do really well on this one because I should know who is not and who is journalism professor. Mm-hmm. In theory, you should. Yes, you but know. also you. When, when I did got you graduate? Twenty nineteen. I graduated 20. in twenty twenty. Okay, so it's, it's been, been three, years, three so years. There could be new professors. No, I know, I know. I'm very much aware, and I definitely haven't been keeping up. Yes, which I guess shame on me. Am I a bad alumni? I don't know. Okay, so I'm going to give you a name, and you're going to tell me if it's a women's World Cup soccer player who. Um, which starts up tomorrow, or a KU journalism professor. A real quick recap of your first nine seasons: you've gone eighty and forty-two, so just below pretty, pretty good. Yeah, just below a uh, nine-win pace on the season, which you know that that's solid average. You yep. have uh, one college football playoff appearance in which yep. you did win the national title, though there is an asterisk. Uh, you have gone five and four on bowl games. Yeah, but you've I lost feel, your last four. I feel like. The fact that I won a national title and now I'm now I've been relegated down to yes non power five is kind of some crap. But you've also won four conference titles. That's fine. So yeah, exactly. I can't believe I got fired. However, I have heard from uh, multiple fans that your nickname is Seven and Six Springer. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> All right. 
I guess I went, I've gone seven and six the last three years, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's three the last four. Okay. Uh, okay, week one. Janelle Belmis. That's a KU journalism professor. Wow. I had her. She was my professor for a couple classes. Look at you. Yeah. Professor Belmis was my uh, First Amendment mm-hmm. law professor for journalism. Okay. And uh, there was also a, another law journalism class that I took that she taught. Um, okay. Well, that is good. That is. Uh, there you go. Bang. Oh, I see. You're starting to rethink. You're no, no, to think that was your FCS game. I don't. I don't mind at all. That oh, okay. Your, I'm okay. Glad you won that one. That would be very bad if you lost. Okay, week two. Rachel Kundanji. That name does not ring a bell. <laughs> so I'm going to go with women's world soccer player. She is a women's world soccer player for Zambia. There we go. Okay. 2-0. Good start I for also you. took a, an African history class, so I know where that is. Where is Zambia? It's in it's Africa. <laughs> wow, that class really paid off for you. Oh, it was a great class. Week three, Linda Caicedo. Caicedo. I get a spelling on that. Uh, L-I-N-D-A. No, the last name, you idiot. C-A-I-C-E-D-O. C-A-I? C-A-I-C-E-D-O. I'm not really sure, but... I, I, I certainly never had her. I feel like I'd remember that type of name if she was a professor. But I think she is a professor. I'm going professor. She is a Colombian soccer player. By the way, all these soccer players were, I got it off a list from ESPN of top 25 players at the World Cup. So these are like notable ones. Okay, yeah, thanks for making me feel worse. You're into, the, you're into the conference portion of your season. Okay. Uh, what, what, so am I in like the American? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, I guess if you get fired again, you go to like the the Sun Belt, the Sun Belt, the, the Mac. Mac, Mountain West, something like that. Okay. Okay. Week four, Ashley Lawrence. Well, Lawrence is in her name. <laughs> but Lawrence is in America for soccer. True. It's also the city, city of... where professors could be. Correct. Could it be yes. a relative of David Lawrence? I hadn't considered that. Mm. I think it might. Maybe it could. I'm going soccer player. Here. She is a soccer player for Team Canada. Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay. Week five. Didn't think she was a professor. Terry Finneman. That's a professor. Okay. I had her as a professor, too. Wow, look at this. She seemed uh, to have good knowledge. She taught, like, the grammar classes. So, like, uh, the AP style class, stuff like that. Classes that I should have paid attention in more than I did, Mm -hmm. to be fair. (laughs) Are you four and one? This is good for you. Week six. Danielle Vandedonk. I'm going to go with the soccer player, I think. Uh, Van de Donk is from Netherlands. She is a okay. soccer player. There we go. So I'm 4-1 and one now? 5-1. and one. Oh, 5-1. Let's yeah. go. Even Come better. On. Come on. Could you be the American team who makes it to New Year's Six Bowl? Oh, Very absolutely. 100%. Very possible. No, no. Well, I guess I already lost. I was going to say, if I if I went undefeated, I would just claim the national title from you. Like, Correct, but you lost. Central you can't Florida, do that. Yeah. I should say. I could, <laughs> we, like Central Florida, I could claim the national title. Yes. Uh, week seven. My apologies to Central Florida fans out there. Alexandra Pop. <laughs> Is it just P.O.P.? Name really pops. P.O.P.P. Oh, that makes all the difference. <laughs> it does. No, I, it does. All right, take me through your brain on this. <clears throat> all right. What do you have to do in soccer? Mm-hmm. You have to go try to score. What helps you in scoring? Having a little pop okay. on the kick. But with one P or two? Kick the ball. I think this is a soccer player. 
what did the second P do for you? <laughs> it didn't do anything. Okay. It is a soccer player for Germany. Okay, yeah. Deutschland. Okay. No, Pop is a common, very common German name. <laughs> I knew course, that. Of course. Uh, oh, easily. That's what the second P did for me. Week eight, Sophia Smith. Wait. This is a... She's on the American team, I think. She's on the Team USA. Mm-hmm. You sure? I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I'm going soccer player. Okay, Sophia Smith is an American player. Okay. She's listed on this there ranking as number three. Really? The third best player in the world, wow. yeah. Wow. That's very Pretty impressive. Cool. Yeah, All right. Okay. Sophia Smith, you are seven and one. I'm on a roll, baby. You are. Week nine. Melissa Green Bly. Mm. I I that name does not ring a bell for me at all. I'm going soccer player. I don't feel good about it though. Marissa Melissa Green Bly, excuse me, is a associate pro- professor yeah. at the University of Kansas Journalism School. I don't know. I, I, she must be yeah, must have, must be more new. I didn't recognize that one. All right, you're seven and two. But you know, there's some there was some uh, like marketing classes and like stuff like that that I didn't care about at all. Mm-hmm. No offense to those people, like that's very important. <laughs> but I didn't care, so I didn't take any of those classes. So if she was one of those professors, then I wouldn't have ever had her. Well, you're seven and two. Your new school is happy. They're like, you know, we got this retread, but he's doing really well at our school. Oh, please. If, retread? If we went out, we still have a chance at making a New Year's Six Bowl because we could be the highest ranked, you know, group of five school. Um, but also, in the back of some of the fans' mind, they're going, wait, do I remember correctly? Didn't he get fired last year after he started 7-1 and one and finished 7-6? and six? <laughs> And they're like, yeah, he did. Well, you just started 7-1 and one and you lost your next game. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Week 10. And my team's hit a wall, like, two-thirds of the way the season. <laughs> Angie Hendershot. How do you spell the last name? H E N D E R S H O T. I forgot the letter H for a second. Oh, man. Well, now I'm a little rattled because I didn't remember that last professor. Mm. So now I'm starting to question. I'll go, professor. I don't feel good about it. Angie Hendershot is an associate professor okay, at KU. I, I don't know who that is. That so. was an overtime win for you. You had to okay. struggle through. I did through, not know who that was. But you got the win, and that's all that matters. You are 8-2. Week 11, Margarita Orozco. That's got to be a soccer player. Margarita Orozco is an assistant professor no, at the what? University of Kansas. Really? Yes, or wow. journalism school. Wow. Missed that one, too. Yep. I don't know. All right. I have no idea. You're 8-3. I want to look this up now to see like who, if they're like how new they are. Because like if I didn't remember them and they already were there, I'll feel pretty bad. You also didn't take every. No, I didn't. Professor. But I took a good amount. Okay. But, but again, if there was anything to do with like marketing uh, or that side of it, because the journalism school has they call it strategic communications, is what they call it. Uh, it's like the you know marketing type stuff, uh, more like business to business type stuff. I didn't. I never took any of those classes. Okay. So if. You know, I, I wouldn't know any of those. Well, you're 8-3. and three. You can't make it to a New Year's Six Bowl game anymore, but you can still win your conference. If you win this game, you're playing in the conference championship, and then you can yep. still win your conference. But this is rivalry week. It is. Week 12, Rebecca Schlichting. And it's Rebecca with two Ks. Oh. That makes a huge difference. It does. In what way? Uh, okay, you've given me three professors in a row. Okay. And I don't think this is a professor. So I'm going soccer player on this one. 
Rebecca Schlichting is a journalism professor at KU. What? I feel like you're just messing with me. I'm not. <laughs> For all you know, I made the last like seven options Dude, professors. That's so. That's so messy. Can't just up. pick patterns. No, there. Was, no, I know you don't normally go with patterns. I know. Because I normally do a pretty good job of picking them out. I yeah. think. All right. Well, you're eight and four. And it's not as big of a collapse as you had last time, but you did lose three of your last four games. So people are starting to be like, what's up? Why can he am not I, win? I, is he, am is, I in my conference is he allergic game? to uh, the cold weather? Um, Let's see. You went six and three in conference play. That's probably not good enough, is it? Not in the, not in the AAC. I feel like usually like in those conferences, it's like two teams that kind of run be, away with it. Yeah. You are in a bowl game, though. That's so annoying. <laughs> now, which one do we want to go with here? I have three options. Um, we're gonna go with Sam Kerr. Like S A M K E R R. Correct. Very short name. Only seven letters. That makes it tough because there's not a lot of yeah, it's Sam potential context clues. Yeah, could be a guy, could be a girl, <laughs> could be Samantha. I don't know. <sighs> Man, this is this is brutal. <laughs> Oh man, I think it, I think it, I don't know, but I think it's a soccer player. Sam know. Kerr is a soccer player for Australia. Hey, okay. bowl game victory! We're back. The other options we could have gone with were Patricia Weems Gaston and Caroline Graham Hansen. Uh, are those all, both soccer players also? Uh, one's a professor and one is Patri- a Norwegian. Patricia is the professor, right? Yes. Okay, so I would have known all three of those. Okay, I would have gotten all three of them right. Well, it's too bad you didn't have the good enough regular season that's to get tough. there. But that's a that's a solid first season with your new program, nine and four. It's you, not you good finally enough. We got another no, program. It's or not a good game. enough. We got to get back in the. We got to get back in the office. We got to put in some work in the, over in the summer. No, I'm not satisfied at all with that with that performance. Okay, well, uh, you did at least snap your four game bowl losing streak. So that is nice positive. to get another bowl trophy. Is nice. I like that, but not good enough. Okay, because well. we're trying to get back to the. We're trying to get back to the pinnacle of college football. Here. You are. There's no more screwing around here. No, you are. You're going to need to reel I, off I uh, got, a couple 10-win seasons to get back to the, to the Power 5 level. I too. got to the national championship pretty early in my career, mm-hmm. and since then I've been kind of screwing around. <laughs> i got to buckle down and get back. Yes. and to actually get to work. Yes. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That was Women's World Cup soccer player or KU journalism professor. Two hours down, one to go. We got Florida Man Mad Libs coming up next. Then we're going to be joined at 530 by Jonathan Davis to help preview the KU Texas game as part of our KU football early season previews. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk News Alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a Naples home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Welcome back in. 5 o'clock hour on KLWN. Later this hour, we're going to do our early preview of KU Texas. 
uh, at 5.30 here. But first, a little Florida Man Mad Lib. Sam Speck joins us in studio. I know, a little earlier today, 10 minutes, by a, a huge stretch by any means. So those normal fans, of course, uh, it, you might have to miss out on just a little bit. But let's get into it. Of course, Florida Man Mad Libs is comprised of four legitimate headlines. Coming your way, and today, as we just said off air, I'll take the credit for it, but it wasn't for me. We are putting the Florida back in Florida man today because these are all from that state today. But again, I will uh, get to the rules. Again, four headlines coming your way. The first with just one redacted word or phrase. That has a point value of one. The next three will have two redacted words or phrases. And again, those have a point value upwards of three points if you get both of them correct. This year has been an absolute onslaught of dominance. Derek, right now, undefeated through the summer season, but we still have time. We are it's still early-ish in the summer season as of I right now. I appreciate all so. the fan mail I've received, all the love, all the the, the shots and beers that people Nick, have bought me at bars, all the food that people have bought me at restaurants. It's so nice. It is. How's so the morale kind. at at, uh, at you know practice camp right now? Score zero zero every week. There you, I like that. I like the attitude. All right, well, let's get into it. Fresh week and a fresh attitude as well. Again, as I mentioned, the first one coming at you is only going to have one redacted word or phrase. So let's get into it. You gentlemen ready? Yes. All uh, right, let's do it. Uh, yeah. Nick, come on now. It's zero zero every week. Fresh. Got to be confident. Here it is. Oh, no, we're this confident. One's this one's a, a actually all of these are pretty strange and to be honest I'm coming confident into this week. I think I've stumped a good majority mm. of these. So, Florida man throws blank at judge during his hearing then gets acquitted of his crimes. Oh, so, wow. That's a wild story. It is. So I really hope it's the gavel. <laughs> How would he even get a hold of the gavel? When he was I don't know, he got up there or somehow close or something I don't, I don't like think, that. I don't think they let the defendant get that close. All right. Here's your options. Florida man throws microphone, throws feces, or throws shoe at judge during his hearing, then gets acquitted of his crimes. I really, I don't think it's feces and then yeah. gets acquitted. That yeah. seems like he that would definitely get in trouble for that. Yeah. Um, where the did he shoe? get a microphone? Okay, so here's the deal. There are in some courtrooms where yeah. you sit farther back, and instead of like everyone comes to the same spot, you do you talk through microphones. Okay. That's a, that's a so thing. everybody can kind of hear your yeah yeah testimony like in larger or whatever car, you're larger hearing. courtroom. So it's not always like so you. So I mean, shoe makes sense. You have a shoe on. It's easy to throw it. I actually, I actually am gonna say microphone though. Oh, I was gonna say microphone because what if the microphone was like out of batteries, and he threw it. He, the judge was like, "Here, give it here," and the guy it threw like, it to no, him and like, it accidentally like hit him like, in the head. Or I something. can't hear you. Oh, okay, here, whack. <laughs> Throws it at me. I'm going microphone. <laughs> All right. I was so. going to go microphone also, but because Derek picked microphone, I don't want to be the same loser like Derek is. All right. I'm beating you. So I'm, I'm going to go with... <laughs> you I'm should go try with, to be like me. I'm going to go with Five shoe. And oh. You're going to go with shoe. Okay. Well, here it is. You both locked in? Mm -hmm. Everybody at home locked in? Florida man <laughs> throws feces at a judge during his, <laughs> he, uh, during his hearing, then gets acquitted of crimes. I don't I necessarily know... I guess he know. wasn't guilty. Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons why crimes could be acquitted as to maybe somebody oh, yes. show up. Maybe now he has to go back happen. to court for a separate charge. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he's going to have to we, go we back. Had, we didn't consider that possibility. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> ludicrous as to, I don't know. Again, that Florida Man, House coming away with round one there. Again, the next three coming at you, they will have two redacted words or phrases. So keep that in mind. A Florida Man burglar clobbered by blank with a blank. So, again, the burglar is the Florida man, the said Florida man, and he was clobbered by either a blind man 
a 65-year-old Florida woman, or his stepson with a blank. And we'll have the second in just a moment. But a Florida man burglar clobbered by either a blind man, a 65-year-old Florida woman, or his stepson. So I'll say the stepson, I think, is the least attractive of the three options. But let's say it's a situation where, like, you know, they, they got he got divorced and oh. his ex-wife remarried and he's, like, really mad about it. And so he goes over there and he's, like, trying to break in and be like, you suck, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. And stepson clobbered him. And then yeah. stepson's like, Dad, you're an idiot. <laughs> Whack. Well, I'm trying to think through the the second parts of this, too. What if it's blind man with his cane? No, I know. I think How blind, cool no. would that be? If you had to rank the three answers, blind man is probably the most appealing. That's what I'm going with. And then 65-year-old I'm going woman, for the fun. It's probably bait, but I don't care. I want it. So I need it. I think Derek's going to go blind man, then. He's, blind man's he's, definitely the most eye-popping answer that was that was that a pun were you trying to be funny there oh i didn't i, I honestly was, oh. i missed it too good I catch the fact catch. that he was kind of a messed up joke if you think about <laughs> it it wasn't a joke it was not a joke i think nick should be suspended <laughs> for just, a question not, honestly, listen, dude are you calling I'm, out i'm the basically blind blindfold? if i take off my glasses I, i'm basically blind so you know i'm making fun of myself all right so derek's with the, the blind uh man i'm gonna go with the uh, stepson why not going with the stepson okay so florida man burglar clobbered by, again, either a stepson, a blind man, or a 65-year-old Florida woman with a, or excuse me, with a baseball bat, with no regrets, or with a kitchen spoon. (laughs) So, again, clobbered by either a stepson, blind man, or a 65-year-old Florida woman with a baseball bat, with no regrets, or with a kitchen spoon. What is no? What does that even mean? <laughs> that means somebody does not care about yeah. the outcome here. Oh, okay. I'm not sorry at all. Yeah, absolutely. I would have done it again. This person is yeah. again. Okay. The spoon one is so maybe... random, dude. You get a nice big spoon. Maybe like it's the only thing you're really clo- The word dude, clobber to me implies spoon. that, like, dude, you get a wooden cooking spoon. Those things are so light and weight. You want to go in the kitchen right now? I'll, we can we can test it out. But I'll they're light and weight. They're like uh, when I think of the word clobber, you can get clobbered with it. No, I'm telling you, we can no. go in the we can go in the break room and let we can test. No, it. you can get slapped by a wooden spoon. You get, clobbered implies you got like destroyed. <laughs> I don't think you can do that with no, a wooden spoon. It just means that you got hit multiple times. Okay, you can pick you that one if you want. You pick that one if you want. You pick that one if you want. So again, baseball. Bats, no regrets. Baseball bats or is a always a classic spoon. answer. I'm gonna go no regrets. I'm gonna go I'm no gonna, regrets. I'm gonna go no regrets too. I think it makes sense with the stepson because he's like, I think you're right. You're an idiot. I'm not feeling no great regrets. about the blind man anymore. I wish the there would have been Kane in there. Right. Yeah. Well, and but that would have given maybe yeah. given it away. But here it is: the full unredacted headline: Florida man burglar was clobbered by a 65 year old Florida woman yeah. with a baseball bat. So the oh. house. Two Man. for two today. Dude, Let's we didn't go. even get any points. Sam earlier today, he was, he was that, like, yeah. the house is coming for revenge. Yeah. Boy, has it. I'm coming for smoke I thought it today. might be 65-year-old woman, but I didn't. I thought that was too long of a word to add to the headline. It kind of is odd. Yeah. That's a well, really yeah, long, when you why add would that you in just there, say old woman? Right. Well, why do you have to say old? What's wrong well, with Well, and you? why specify the age is Dude, more or less yeah, kind of the reasoning. That's, like, that's not. You don't think that's old? No. That's on the back two-thirds of your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I consider that to that's be like fairly old. Right around it's old. Here. I don't know. That's definitely fairly old. I'm thinking like, I guess, Look I at know. the median. If, Dude, at, if you're you know, retired, you're old. Look at the median life expectancy. I, I go like, like 70 75 or 80. Because here's how I view it. If, you're if somebody retired, like you're passes old. away when they're like 67, <laughs> I'm like, they were too young. They should have lived older. <laughs> no, that's, that's not fair. true. You know? I know 20 and 30-year-olds that are retired. They they ain't old. They just they figured it out, I guess. I don't know. But nonetheless, the house 
successful. Oof. Let's go. We got to pick this up, Nick. Tough. Let's go into the uh, next round again. Two yeah, hundred This is, this is now phrases. less about me and you battling. We just got to get on the board here. This is uh, yeah. Now we have a common enemy. Yeah. I'm out for meat today. <laughs> I'm out for blood. I'm telling you. Florida man wrestles blank on his front porch to defend his blank. <laughs> I'm guessing alligators could be one of the options. Surprisingly, it is not. Oh, wow. Oh, Florida okay. man wow. wrestles his pastor, a black bear, or an intruder on the front porch to defend his blank. We'll get to the second See, one in just a moment. You but wouldn't again, immediately think that black bears are in Florida, but they are. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's, they are. A viable, yeah. that's a viable yeah. option. So I actually have a theory here. I have a theory that this is somebody went, like, he, he thought they were stealing his package. Oh. Like his like he has Amazon, like an Amazon package and he has like a ring doorbell. He saw somebody who's coming up. Okay, I think it's a pastor. I think that this guy thought he's uh, the pastor he was, he was going door to door robbed. talking about some event or something that happening. He thought the guy was coming up to steal his package. Okay, and he got out. That's gonna be my. So I'm gonna go pastor. Wow. So the guy, the pastor was just trying to be like, "Hello, sir. Have you yeah. heard about? Have you, you know, uh, we have a, a fiesta the this weekend. Whatever. That's gonna benefit our children's school. And then he know, just gets RKO'd. Yes." <laughs> 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 Slammed, and I got to see okay. one Sunday, sir. <laughs> so the other options are black bear or just intruder. An intruder, correct. I'm gonna go. I'm picking black bear here. It could be black bear to like protect yeah. the dog. Yeah, you know, I think it's would, black. Yeah. I'm picking back black bear. Okay. The thing so. is, though, the only issue with the black bear though is black bears tend to just run away if you like try yeah. to attack them. Yeah, they're they're mainly docile. But how docile could you get with a bear? I mean, I'm gonna go with bear. But I'm gonna go with black. So Nick's black gonna lock in with bear and Derek with pastor. Here we go, second one, and these ones are wild ones. Florida man, again, wrestles either a black bear, his pastor, or an intruder on the front porch to defend his husband, his pot plant, or his dogs. So there's dogs. I, dogs yeah, dogs makes a lot of sense with the bear, especially. Husband makes sense with pastor. I guess it could in some regions, certainly. That, so way, that may be... Like, yeah. Hey, that might not fly or something yeah. like that. What but is, I, I, don't know. I feel like a bear well, might why would the also eat a pot yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just Maybe he couldn't. attacked the pastor first. <laughs> but also, Maybe it was I a mean, get off my lawn type situation. Possible. An intruder might want to steal that. I think that, I have you know. to go with dogs. I'm going to kind of hedge my bet. I think it is dogs, so I'm going to just go with that. Okay, I'm going to go with dogs yeah. also. So both locking in with dogs here. And Florida man wrestles a black bear on his front porch to defend his dogs. Yeah. Nick coming Let's around go. with a three banger, Let's but go. Uh, Nick, or excuse me, Derek with a point at least, but three to one. How about Sheesh. that? There goes yeah. the perfect game. I went to six. Woo. I went to six and two thirds innings. Uh, and uh, are you going to retire if you ever have a day where you just? Shut I us might. both out. I might. I mean, honestly, the odds of that have got to be so low. You got to run. I mean, I, mean, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if we were smart, we, we would just start picking different answers, right? So that we and then you would only have and one then in never three have every answer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, I saved the best for last here, gentlemen. But Nick, again, with a three to one advantage, a Florida man to give blank to blank. So it leaves okay. a lot to give blank to of blank. imagination. Wow. Yes, yeah, so a Florida Could man. Be literally anything. <laughs> exactly. Florida man to give either massages, a performance. Or vasectomies to blank. Yeah. Soak that one in, boys. Okay. So, again, so massage like you pick is what you I'm going to have for, to pick differently. This was 100%. Vasectomy is what you do for, like, dudes, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, but they uh, can't produce children anymore. Okay. Well, yeah. you, it's a, it's but a you reversible process. But you can do it for animals, yeah. too, I think, right? Correct. Not just humans. It's more or less I the process know. of making the 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 yeah, male yeah, yeah, yeah. proponent less sterile, I guess. Yeah, 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 Correct. Yeah, okay, so yeah. yes, realistically, I guess you in can theory. Perform, so what are the other ones? Yeah. Uh, vasectomies, massages, or to give a performance. I'm going vasectomies. 
<laughs> Nick is he's all Just over. to give a performance that's so Massages is really random too, I feel like. It's really weird. I'm to gonna be do honest. to give a performance. I don't know why. It's just so weird and I don't understand what it like was this guy putting on puppet shows for Maybe. something? I'm, In I the don't park? Know. I'm gonna go with that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, so everybody at home, hopefully you've got yourself locked in. Looks like Nick uh, vasectomies, performance for Derek. Let's go Florida Man again to give either massages, vasectomies, or a performance to the homeless, NASA employees, or peacocks. And I'm not making this up. Actually, I made up some of them. But at the end of the day, I'm not making up this headline. I think I want to go peacocks. because like, I think I want to go peacocks, too. Uh, wait, wait. What? So it's it's NASA and what else? Uh, again, he's giving something to the homeless, giving something to NASA employees, oh, he could be giving or giving something to Peacock. He could, he could be. This could actually be a the homeless well, or NASA. To your first one, this could be like a messed up one of a guy who was like trying to give vasectomies to homeless people. No, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. You think I went that dark this week? I don't, I don't know. Think <laughs> I'm going. I think <laughs> it's. Pizza. I think it's peacock. I, I, I think I'm they're having peacocks. a peacock problem. Yeah, and they're like, dude, we need to limit the I peacock think this population. Guy was trying to peacock but who peacocks? wants to kill the peacocks? Nobody. I, no. So we're gonna instead we're gonna do this so that they don't. There's not as many peacocks. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I so. think this guy was trying to peacock the peacocks. That was the performance part of it. Okay. He dressed up in a lot of like colorful clothes. So like, you're sticking hey, with I'm your better than the you, peacocks. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. are you guys locked in Stick with your peacocks? Stick your nose in that, peacocks. Yeah. So both locked in with peacocks. So again, Florida man to give blank to blank. Here it is, full unredacted. Florida man to give vasectomies to peacocks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Woo. Wow. Big win. Woo. Big win you. this week. And, dude, uh, nobody, will... listen, nobody wants to kill peacocks. Okay. So how else other way are you going to try to limit if there's a lot of peacocks yeah, around? So right. if you I give mean, a peacock a uh, vasectomy, does it just become a pee? Aha. <laughs> yeah, you take Dude, the back end out of it. Good. I see. Dude. No, I like it. You're just hey, mad you didn't you're think two of it for first. two, I will say. You no, I'm just mad because it. it's bad. No, that was pretty good. Come on now. And especially radio friendly. That was about as good as yeah, we're going to get thank on you. here. Thank you. All right. Okay. What do we got for that? I do have a house one. Do we which, have by time? the way, Nick, congratulations. You're off the schneid. You got to win. There you go. On and Nick wins six to two this week. On by the board. Yes. Heavy. Okay. boy. Uh, we have a triple dipper, triple dipper here. <laughs> what? Triple right dipper. <laughs> so you have three blanks okay. in this one, okay? Long Island man. I don't know if we've done a Long Island man. Long Island man slugs blank. Blank at Las Vegas. Blank cops say. <laughs> okay, Long Island man slugs blank, comma blank at Las Vegas. Blank cops say. All right, so it's got to be a Las Vegas <laughs> club or hotel or something. First one. Long Island man slugs retired Marine general. Oh. Wow, eighty-two-year-old grandmother. Oh, one-legged man. Okay, listen. There's some weird things that happen in Vegas. <laughs> One-legged man, I think, is a viable answer. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick 82-year-old grandma though. Okay. I was gonna, I was just about to say, and I'm gonna stick with you on that. I'm gonna go 82-year-old grandmother one, as I well. But see it's it being one-legged like, man though. But a one-legged man. There's some big one-legged men out. There. Like if you don't just go slug. What if it was the wrong one-legged man? You, <laughs> well, can't, you can't just slug an elderly. Him. You can't just slug an elderly woman and, like, it's the headline. <laughs> it's the off and shock factor here, boy. So I'm going win. <laughs> Give me the elderly I'm woman. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> okay. okay. Give me the elderly uh, woman. Sorry. I'll go with that. <laughs> I, I really want to make a joke, but I don't know if it's appropriate. Um, okay. We've been pushing the, the boundaries That's all day. That's true. Today. Where do you think the one-legged man works? 
I'm going to go IHOP. Nice. Hey, that's a good one. Or Island. <laughs> What's his wife's name? Eileen. Uh, we're going too far. We're going too far. All right, Long Island man slugs blank. You guys said 82-year-old grandmother, comma, blank, at Las Vegas blank, cops say. Okay, Long Island man slugs blank, comma, break dances at Las Vegas blank, comma, flaunts genitalia at Las Vegas blank, comma, screams wasabi at Las Vegas <laughs> oh blank, cops say. Now I'm that going, sounds like Vegas. I'm thinking wasabi. I was going to too, but it just... Or breakdance. Um, I like breakdance, actually. Wait a minute. What was the second one? Breakdance was the first. The second was to... Uh, flaunt genitalia. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, so slugs a woman, flaunt genitalia. I guess we're going that route. Uh, let, yeah, let's go with that. Wait, so what'd you pick? I said he's oh, slugging a woman, and then he's, flan- it, okay. yeah, he's flashing the... I, uh, actually, I want to change my answer. Oh. No, let me keep wasabi. Actually, okay, okay you'll stick right. with wasabi. Long Island, my Long Island man slugs blank, comma blank at Las Vegas sushi bar. Cops say, casino. Cops say, summer league game. Cops say. Okay, um, I'm gonna go with summer league game just because I. Why not? Okay. The word slugs has thrown me off because it's like that's baseball, right? That's made, mm-hmm. I th- summer league. Oh, summer I didn't consider that something like you that. Could have alliteration too. Slugs, screams. There sushi. you go. I'm gonna go with with. Uh, so we're both going baseball game. Yeah, the summer league. Summer league game. Okay, I'm gonna go with the basketball. summer league. Yeah. Okay, whichever. Oh, summer okay. league basketball game. I would assume. You know what? I'm sticking oh. with it. Whatever. You're sticking with summer. Summer, summer, summer it is. I'll yeah. stick with wasabi. Yeah. Correct answer. Long Island man slugs one-legged man. Oh no! Flaunts genitalia at Las Vegas casino. Cops I got say. one. Wow. I got one. Sam got one. I really wish it was screams with Sabi. Get in here. That is super part. Ah, Sabi! Lost it. Oh my gosh. Well, gentlemen, oh, Nick, so coming away. W. With- Week six victory. W for your it boy. Was, uh, it was good, but we will be back next week as always, whether it's Wednesday or a different day. We always have fun. Thanks for including me in it. For Florida Man Lab- Mad Libs, we're out. All right. That's Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. <coughs> we're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to talk with uh, Jonathan Davis of Locked on Horns. He's going to join us to help us preview the KU Texas game as part of our early season previews. We'll be back after this timeout on RCST. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to continue on with our series of early season previews for KU football, and we're on to their fifth game of the season, which will be on the road in Austin at Texas at the uh, end of September. We're joined now by Jonathan Davis, who hosts Locked on Horns to uh, cover Texas here and, and give us a little bit of preview of the Longhorns and what to expect in that game down in Austin this year. Uh, so I guess, Jonathan, first things first. When you think big picture, biggest storyline for the Longhorns coming into this year, what is the answer to that for you? I think the biggest storyline for Texas this year has to be, you know, Steve Sarkeesian in year three, Texas in the last year of Big 12, uh, you know, early preseason, Big 12 favorites, overwhelming. Big 12 favorites this season. So I think the biggest storyline has to be, will Texas get over the hump and win their first conference championship since 2009? I think all of the other smaller storylines involving players and coaches are, you know, novel (laughs) compared to the fact that Texas has lofty expectations. And really for the first time in over a decade, they have to live up to them this year before they head to the SEC. Do you think fans are are happy to be in the spot where they are, where they are being 
predicted to be first or do they feel spurned at all with, with some of the past years where it has felt like, okay, th this is the time when it's going to happen and it hasn't happened that there is maybe a bit of a worry among the fan base that uh, they don't like the high expectations being placed on them? Yeah, uh, so I think there's a mix amongst the fan base. You know, you definitely have, uh, you know, the fans that are taking a wait-and-see approach, you know, fans that have been scorned in the past and the fans that are maybe slow-sipping the Kool-Aid. But, you know, Texas fans, and I'm one of them, you know, Texas fans can definitely be elitist, and Texas fans have no you know, problem bumping their chest regardless of if we're winning or not. So, you know, I think Texas fans absolutely love being in this position. You know, I think they love being in a position where they're, most, they're the most talented team in the conference, and they should, you know, go out there and be favored against every Big 12 team they're going to play. So, you know, obviously if Texas doesn't end up winning the conference, then there will be some trash talk on Twitter. But, you know, I think all Texas fans love the position that we're in heading into the first game against Rice this season. And uh, obviously this will be the last year in the Big 12 how is the move to the SEC being perceived? Is it something where it was a bit of a slow burn and now people are kind of on board? Are there still people off board with that? Or, or is it overwhelmingly pretty excited about the, the move to uh, the Southeastern Conference? Yeah, I think that most, if not all, Texas fans are ready for the SEC move. You know, I talked about Texas fans being a little elitist. You know, Texas people around the program and, and fans of the program have now felt like we've outgrown the Big 12. I don't know how you can say that, but that's how most Texas fans feel. Um, and so they're ready, you know, to go to the SEC where, you know, they've coined the term that it just means more. So, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of fans are excited about, you know, going to the SEC and, you know, you're going to have, you know, bigger and better matchups. It feels like, you know, especially in football, um, you know, maybe even in baseball as well. Uh, but, you know, we still understand that, you know, you have one more year in the Big 12, and, and I think that fans are, you know, really excited about this football season and the other sports. But I would say 99.9% .9 of Texas fans are ready to get to the SEC. Uh, Quinn Ewers had kind of an up-and-down season, had uh, a small injury along the way. I know footwork was something that got talked about a lot down in Austin with with his game. Uh, you look at the the great skill players that are kind of around him coming into the year uh, what are the expectations? What are the realistic expectations for, for what he could do and uh, kind of do in year two in the Sarkeesian system? Well, it's hard to tell, right? Because you're talking about somebody who is one of the highest graded recruits of all time, right? If there have been three perfect recruits on 24-7 Sports Composite, he was one of them. So, you know, you instantly expect him to step in and be amazing, right? And I think there were flashes of that in the Alabama game and the Oklahoma game. But for the most part, you know, there were inconsistencies and he looked like a true or a redshirt freshman. So now you're coming into year two and there's examples of players like Joe Burrow making these huge, crazy jumps, right? Or Matt Jones in his first year starting being a top five Heisman candidate. And so people are saying, oh, it's the second year in the Sarkeesian system. He's grown. He's matured. He's going to, you know, be a Heisman candidate. He's going to throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. And it's like, I don't know if that's going to be the case, right? I think he's going to be in a really good offensive system with a lot of good, you know, a lot of really good playmakers around him. And it's on him to make the right reads, not put the ball in harm's way, and get the ball to all of these playmakers and execute Steve Sarkeesian's offense to the best of his ability. So I'm not trying to put any statistical um, expectations on him or say he's going to make a Joe Burrow jump or he's going to make a Trevor Lawrence jump or anything like that. I think he just needs to be Quinn Ewers. I think, you know, he's a gunslinger. I think there will still be some inconsistencies. You talk about the mechanics and the footwork when you're that talented with your arm. Sometimes you can rely on your arm too much. You know, I think that 
because he's a gunslinger, there might still be some, you know, questionable interceptions or throws that he makes. So um, I'm not sure what to expect from Quinn Ewers. You know, like I said, I don't think he's going to be Joe Burrow or Matt Jones this year, you know, from 2020 Alabama. But I think he'll be good enough to get Texas for the Big 12 championship game and hopefully win it. We're talking with Jonathan Davis from Locked on Horns here on RCST. Overall on the offense, uh, what would you say seems to be the biggest strength and what's maybe the thing you have the biggest question mark about right now? Yeah, I would say the biggest strength is just the pass catchers. You know, when you look at the tight end position, you have J.T. Sanders, who I think, you know, outside of Brock Bowers may be the class of the tight end position in college football. You talk about a receiving court um, where you, you know, stole 80 Mitchell out of the transfer portal. Um, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, Isaiah Neor, the list goes on and on. So I would say that Texas has, you know, really dynamic pass catchers. And if it wasn't for the amazing PR that comes out of, you know, Columbus, Ohio, and the way they recruited that position, you could make the argument that Texas might have the deepest and best receiving room in the country. As far as a weakness, I would say the interior offensive line. Uh, we know that Kelvin Banks was a freshman All-American at the left tackle position. Um, and I expect him to be even better this year. Kristen Jones more than held his own at right tackle last year. But there were a lot of games where the interior offensive line just could not get a push in the run game and could not you know, hold their own in the passing game. And so I would say that that probably is the biggest question mark on this team right now. And, you know, you're a Kansas fan. Kansas fans are listening to this. These are Robinson broke records against Kansas last year. So I wouldn't say this is a question mark for the team. I think the running back room is going to be really good. But I also can't sit here and say that replacing B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson is easy. So interior offensive line and how will the running back room look without B. John Robinson for the first time since 2020? Uh, defensive side of the ball um, has – uh, certainly ton of talent on that end of things for, for Texas heading into the year. Same question there. Uh, what's the, the thing you feel most certain about, and, and what's maybe the biggest question on the, the defensive side? I would say the secondary. You know, I think you return John A. Barron, who's one of the best nickel corners in the country. Ryan Watts, who is, who is really solid at that corner position uh, on the boundary. And then at the field corner spot, you have – Chance Brooks and Gavin Holmes, the transfer from Wake Forest, uh, battling for that spot with some really good depth at corner. Then at safety, you have Jaron Thompson, who I think could have been, you know, first and second team all Big 12 last year, but was honorable mention. And you bring over Jalen Catalan in the transfer portal, a former all SEC safety. And I've said a million times on Locked On Longhorns, the only question mark about Jalen Catalan is if he can stay healthy, right? He is an NFL player if he can stay on the field. So I would say that is the biggest strength. I think the Biggest question mark for this football team is the pass rush. You know, this is the team that got a lot of pressures last year, a ton of pressures, but it didn't necessarily equate to sacks, right? You know, based on the amount of pressures they got, you would have thought that they could have gotten a lot more sacks. And the best teams can rush the passer with four, right? Of course, you're going to dial up some blitzes, and I thought Pete Kikowski did a really good job of dialing up blitzes last year and, you know, some exotic blitz packages to, you know, really – you know, put offenses on their heels, especially in the Alabama game where, you know, it looked like for three and a half quarters, Bryce Young didn't know what to do until he turned into Bryce Young. But um, I would say, you know, still, all in all, the best defenses can rush the passer with four. And when you're not blitzing, that allows you to allocate more resources to your coverage. And in the opposite, if you are blitzing, you have to take those resources away from coverage on the back end. So I would say that's my biggest question mark going into the season. I think they have a good pass rush. I'm not sure if they have a great pass rush. And that could be the difference in a few games. Last year's KU-Texas game, as you mentioned, not very competitive. They ran all over the Jayhawks. 
Prior to last year, though, a lot of tight matches, Kansas winning in Texas in 2021, nearly winning in 2019, uh, KU won in 2016. There were some other close ones that Texas won down in Austin, I think, in 2017 was like a two-touchdown game. Uh, so it's been kind of a weird series that it has been close in, in some of these past games, even though last year was a blowout. But I guess I, I wonder if that 2021 win of Kansas in Texas basically got the Longhorns' attention enough to where that's no longer going to be the thing moving forward. I, I don't know. How do you view this series and the matchup headed into this year? Yeah, I, I to me, like Kansas is not a rival of Texas, but it's a rival of Texas, you know, because when you talk about Texas, I guess if you want to, uh, if you're talking trash about Texas, what's the first thing they always say? Right? Texas lost to Kansas in football, right? And there's a lot of players on this team that lost to Kansas in 2021, right? So, you know, I think that this isn't necessarily a rivalry, but it's something that gets thrown in Texas fans and Texas players' faces all the time. So I expect them to come out and have the same intensity they did against Kansas last year. I'm not sure if the score will be the same way it was. You know, I know Jalen Daniels wasn't necessarily healthy. If he was, you can correct me on that. So I think, you know, the game will be a lot more competitive this year. But, no, I think there's definitely a a certain level of, of hatred towards the Kansas football program, which is crazy to say, you know, because we're not rivals. But like you said, all of those matchups and then the two times y'all have beaten Texas, uh, I think their their antennas will be up, and I think they'll come out and give 110% of that game. Awesome. Well, uh, Jonathan, I appreciate you hopping on and, and taking some time here today, and uh, we'll have to chat with you once again once we get closer to game time in uh, a couple months here. No problem. Thanks for having me. Shout out to the Locked On Podcast Network and shout out to the Longhorns, the future Big 12 champs in 2023. All right, there we go. Jonathan Davis, Locked On Horns, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh, so, I mean, it'll be it'll be very interesting. I, 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 I do think part of Texas putting the beat down on Kansas last year did have to do with the fact that they won the year before and they had to hear about for a full year, oh, you lost to Kansas. I wonder if that's still the same now, or if because they won last year, if if it goes back to normal. Yeah, I don't know. Does Kansas don't know. now have the edge well, the because they is, lost is, by so much? But KU is now at a, in a situation where their program is not so much being ridiculed as like a it's not. Fire. Yeah, so that I think that in and of itself probably gets you to where you're a little it's more harder to be fired up. Yeah, yeah, it's you're a little more up for a game against Kansas this year than you would be, you know, in 2021. For sure. Um, so that'll be the end of September, week five. Our next game that we'll uh, get a team preview of is Central Florida, UCF. That'll be uh, coming up next. We'll either do that later this week or sometime early next week. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.